Hey, church family, let's stand together, and we're going to continue to worship the Lord with uh, the reading of God's Word. In Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 to 12. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Yes, joy to the world. The Lord has arrived. I'm praying you'll hear and receive the word of the Lord in line with how God would want you to receive the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 2, a passage that talks about who we often refer to as the wise men, but we'll see here we could just as easily refer to them as the worshiping men, we could just as easily refer to them as the joyful men. So in verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, O you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men and secretly, uh, summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, you've not created us and those who are united by faith to Christ. You've not redeemed us in order that we'd have a monotonous or mundane life, but you've redeemed us so that our lives could be full of joy, exceedingly great joy. Now, God, all of us here today are pursuing something. But the only thing that we pursue that will lead to life and joy is Jesus. So if we're running after the wrong thing today, I pray by God's grace that, Lord, you would change our course, change the direction, the trajectory of our life. God, if we're following some sign and it's not leading us to Jesus, give us grace to see we're following the wrong thing. And we thank you that we have something better than a star in the sky. We have the scripture in our hands And I pray that you would use the passage that we've read today for our exhortation, for our encouragement, for our conviction, for a correction in our lives. Help us understand how it is that we really could find life in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, of course, you may be seated in there with Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 12. In front of you, we are going to um, see from this passage and give a message entitled, Giving Like a Wise Man. I thought it would be appropriate here on Lottie Moon Sunday when we're going to give our Christmas offering to think a little bit about what makes for a good giver. And by the way, as we'll see from the passage, they give a lot more than their material possessions. In fact, they give of their material possessions in line with how they've given some other things. 
Maybe a way that we could think about it and be encouraged by is you give to God in line with what you believe about God. So we have before us uh, quite the example of generous giving and these travelers from afar give as they gave because they believed as they believed. We can see from God's perspective in their example what makes for good givers. Uh, Most of us, I think, are either givers or takers, right? So maybe you just kind of allow God to give inventory of your life. Are you more of a giver or are you more of a taker? When you're born, you have a nature that is very much a taking nature, right? That's the sin nature. You don't have to teach a baby. I'm learning this all over again. My precious girl, eight and a half months old, she's awesome. Man, she's a born taker. You know that so far in nine months, just about, she's not, well, you know what I mean when I say this. She's not giving us stuff. She's given us a lot. You know what I'm saying. But and you don't have to teach a child to be selfish. You need a new nature, right? To learn how to be unselfish. We're by nature takers. And even when you're born again and you have the new nature in Christ, You've got that residual old nature left over, amen? I mean, who's, who's understanding what I'm saying? Now, before you come to Christ, you just have the sin nature. When you're redeemed, you have a new nature, but you still got that old nature. And you'll have that old nature until you go to glory. And won't that be a glorious day? So all that to say, you still, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got some taking in you and you've got some giving in you. And what we want to do is, by grace, crucify that old nature. Because God is a giver. You know that about him, right? So you're becoming more and more like him. He's the ultimate giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now, as we read the passage here in Matthew chapter 2, let's read again verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So we immediately have some tension here, don't we? We have a group of people from far away showing up saying, where is he who has been born king? And they ask that question to who? To the king. Now, that's a problem, isn't it? There's somebody born king, and they're asking the king, where is the king? And who doesn't take kindly to that? Obviously, the king, right? Now, what so often is the case in Scripture is that those least likely to respond to God from our perspective are the ones who respond to God. It's wise men from the east. It's the people who aren't near Jerusalem, don't live in Bethlehem, who are the ones who actually come looking for the king. This is all over the scripture, isn't it? It's the woman at the well who draws near to Jesus in John chapter 4. Not so much Nicodemus in John 3, who knows the scripture backwards and forwards. In time, Nicodemus, I think, will get there But it's the sinners, the tax collectors, we're told in Luke 15, who draw near to Jesus, not the Pharisees and the scribes. 
It's the leper. It's the paralytic. It's the Roman centurion. It's the Syrophoenician woman. We'll see this again and again in the Gospels who seek after Jesus. Here it is. Men who live far away in in the east who look for Jesus, not the religious leaders who can quote the scripture about Jesus being born in Bethlehem who are looking for him. So here's an application for your life right now. You're pursuing Jesus today to the extent of how aware you are for your need of him. Every single person in this room right now, you have a deep need for Jesus It's not a matter of if you have that need. It's just a question of how aware you are of that need. Amen? And you're pursuing him. I mean, this is a story of pursuit. Their their whole testimony is they go after Jesus. And what does God have promised to us? You seek after me, you will find me when you seek after me with your whole heart. For any of us in the room that are given a half-hearted effort of pursuing Jesus, this is a corrective passage. Amen? You cannot pursue Almighty God with half a heart. You're today pursuing Jesus to the extent of how aware you are of your need for Him. So if honestly this morning before the Lord you would say, I don't really have a devoted pursuit of Him. You begin to pray, God, would you give me grace to see how much I need Jesus. I'm going to give you three exhortations from their lives. We'll start here. Number one, you want to give your attention like a wise man. Give your attention. You know why they saw the sign? It's real simple, isn't it? They were looking for it. Amen? Why did they see it? They were looking. And we're not given all the details, but they're obviously familiar with some of the Old Testament prophecies that one day God's king would be born to the Jews. They say... When we saw, the, we saw the star when it rose. They saw it because they were looking. Have you noticed this about life? You, you can pretty much find whatever it is you're looking for. Have you noticed this? I used to a few years ago. Um, I did a few workout videos at our house. And, and the guy who was doing the video, he had this statement, and we kind of said it, and it's kind of become a running joke in our home. But here was his statement. He was talking about working out. He says, whether you say you can or you can't, you're right. And by that he means, whether you say you can do it or you say you can't do it, whichever you decide, that's what you're going to do. Now, friends, it's not that you can't find the Lord. It's a matter of if you're looking for him or not. They give their attention. Now we see from the passage, right, uh, their hunger to find the Lord is in direct contrast to the chief priests and the scribes, right? We see this. And Herod the king heard this. He's troubled, verse 3. If you're the king and you've been told there's a different king, well, that's troubling. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But And all Jerusalem with him. And then he assembles all the chief priests... And the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him. Now notice, they don't have to say, well, give us a few days, we'll get back to you. Let us study this in greater detail. They immediately say, in Bethlehem. Guess what? They got the right answer. For so it is written by the prophet. And then they quote exactly where the prophecy comes from. 
So when Herod asked them where the Christ was to be born, they gave the right answer. Now, this is important for us. How do they know the right answer? Because in their lives, they have given attention to the Scripture, right? We can all agree on that. They've obviously devoted some time. They've obviously devoted some effort. They've studied the prophecies. They know more about the Scripture than the wise men from the East do, right? So what's going on here? They've given a kind of attention to the things of God, but not attention what we might call from the heart, right? Now, can we have the humility to confess we can be very much like this? I'd venture to guess if we just went around the room and I asked you to stand up and just say, tell us a little bit about the Christmas story, most everybody in the room would likely be able to say, man, we, wrote the, we read Matthew 2. You'd have been able to tell us about the wise men. You can tell us about the manger, the shepherds, the angels, about no room in the inn. But here's what we learn from these men, these chief priests and scribes. You can know all about it and then do nothing in light of it. Amen? And that's what we see here. The wise men and the scribes have both given attention to God, but they don't have the same heart behind it. That's why we're saying give your attention like a wise man. The chief priests and the scribes have information, but it's never led to any transformation. Don't we get this warning from the Bible? Not to be hearers of the word only, and so, does anybody remember what James says? Deceive yourself. So friends, this is the most dangerous trap that there is. To know the Scripture but not love the God of Scripture. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And friends, that's good news because it's not if you obey me that God says, I'll start loving you. What do we see here? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he takes the initiative. Their response, the wise men, is a response to his initiative. Friends, it'd be better to know one Scripture and obey it than know a thousand verses and never do it. Anybody know the fighter verse for this week? Every week we have a passage of Scripture that we seek to learn and memorize and meditate as a church family. This week it was, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Now you could memorize that and never do it, right? And that is falling into the most dangerous trap of all. A form of godliness, Paul warns us but denying its, its power. N- not only would it not do you any good to memorize without doing, it actually leads to great harm. It's, it's knowing about God, but not knowing Him. And friends, that's about the most dangerous spiritual condition that there is. John warns us about this. We, we read the scripture, right? If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. A little bit later on uh, in his ministry, Jesus himself will say to the chief priests and the scribes, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And don't we see that contrast right here? We got wise men from the east traveling to come near to Jesus, while those who know the scripture well are immobile. 
And friends, again, you don't have to look for a star when you've got the Scriptures. Amen. Is this precious to you? Is this valuable to you? All the movement of the wise men in the passage is towards Jesus. The current trajectory of your life is it towards Jesus. Isn't it interesting we have this phrase, uh, pay attention? Pay attention. Why do we use the verb pay? I mean, I know you can say give your attention. Pay attention. Because your attention is currency. It is. So my encouragement to you is to pay attention to God first and most. Amen? Pay attention to Him first and most. I know we've talked about this before, but it's just been really helpful in my life. Uh, and, and it is not something that I do, uh, I, I need further grace to do this. What is the first thing you do in the morning? I know you wake up and you get a couple of minutes, I, I understand that. But my encouragement to you, pay attention to God first and most. We learn this from Jesus, right? The scripture will say very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus withdrew to a desolate place and there he prayed. So start your day. Start your day. You don't have to wait because everybody gets the New Year's resolution. You know, we're going to do that. No, start now. You want to have a heart in line with God, kind of synced up with God, that you have a heart that wants to receive His Word in line with how He wants you to receive His Word. Does that make sense? I mean, most every morning, I'll just be honest, I, I'm not there. I'm not there. But I've learned... My soul is in trouble when I get up in the morning and I'd rather look at who won the football game last night. What's going on on social media this morning? Let me check that out. I, I know my heart is beginning to wander and I'm setting myself up like these, uh, these chief priests and scribes to know about the Scripture but not love the God of Scripture. You know, years ago, I think I've shared this story um, uh, probably, probably 12, 13 years ago now, uh, I received an advertisement in the mail right before football season, and there was a satellite TV provider that said if I signed up for their service, I could get access to every NFL game. What a package, right? And I'll just be honest with you, I grew up loving the NFL, and I received that, and I said, I, that, I, I would like that. So I decided to get it. And I called and, and set up the install. You know, you got to set up the installation. Would be on a certain day, and I had to be there. They're real flexible between the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. That's when I. That's what you know. And they'll show up at that. So at 9 a.m. I'm there. 5 p.m. I'm there. Nobody ever showed up, right? And then I called and got a new appointment. And that new appointment comes. A hurricane comes through town on that day. So they cancel that, and just about every tree in our neighborhood got knocked down except the trees in our house, in our yard. So then I rescheduled the appointment again, and this time, still a little bit later than I expected, the installer shows up, starts walking around the yard trying to find a, a, a signal point for the satellite. I know that's not explaining the technology right, but you got to have a spot, and he goes around the whole yard. He says, man, the trees in your yard it just won't work. I can't get a signal. And I kind of think to myself, you've got to be kidding me. All the trees knocked down in this neighborhood. 
And all mine are still standing. And I'm kind of getting kind of addled and grumpy. I mean, it's, you know, the NFL season's already started and I've already missed this. And, da, da, and, and I'm standing there and we're talking. And I said, well, can, well can, what can we do? I'll go get an ax right now. I'll cut the tree down. What, what, I want every access to every NFL game. And about the time I'm getting kind of hot and bothered, uh, Abel was just a little guy, probably four years old. And I turn around and he's running out the yard with a football in his hand. He's throwing the football. And he looks at me and says, Daddy. Let's throw the football. And here's what I learned in that moment. He has heard me over and over give my attention to something. This is what daddy's heart's on. That's what it is. Daddy likes this. That's what I'm going to like. And let's do it. And, and, And here's what I realized in that moment. He'd heard me talk so much about that satellite. Now, if you got, I'm not, you know what I'm saying. That in his heart, he said, if it's important to daddy, it'll be important to me. And standing in that yard, the guy packed his stuff up. He said, I can't get a signal. I said, Lord, Lord, I thank you that those trees weren't knocked down. Because my son's more important than satellites. And, and I'm going to give my attention to what's going to matter in eternity. And friends, that's a lesson that I have to learn over and over and over again. Your attention is your witness. It is. It's not confusing to other people what your heart is set on. All they have to do is say, what do you give your attention to? What are the wise men there? Where is he? Where is he at? Give your attention like a wise man. Again, to state the obvious, the chief priests and scribes knew where he would be. They just didn't have any designs on going there. You gotta be careful about that. Knowing the scripture, quoting the scripture, teaching the scripture, but not loving the God of scripture. So, first, give your attention like a wise man. Second, give your devotion. Like a wise man. Most every step of obedience you will ever take in your life will meet resistance from the world, the flesh, and the devil. As soon as you take a step of obedience, you'll already start telling yourself, because you've got that residual sin nature, no, 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 that's a little too dramatic. I mean, to travel all the way there, I mean, think about what the wise men had. And then they show up, and the people for whom the king has been born, they don't even seem to care. Let me go on and tell you something. If you're going to be serious about the Lord Jesus in your generation, you're going to have to be able to resolve this quickly. Most everybody else likely isn't going to be. It's just that way. Now, we can pray that that changes. But man, if you're really going to have a heart for God, you're going to have to resolve that not a lot of other people might. When they show up, there's already a king who's on the throne, and he's going to throw up some mighty resistance. You're going to meet resistance. When they respond, they confront the enemies of Christ, a hostile king and and different religious leaders. But notice what they say. It's the only thing that will sustain you if you're really going to go after him. We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to... What's your verb in your Bible? It doesn't say acknowledge him, tip our hat to him, uh, meet him. We've come to worship him. That's their agenda. Now, Herod's going to co-opt that word. He's going to say, hey, I want to do the same thing, but he doesn't have the same agenda behind it, obviously. And Herod was brutal. 
You know anything about King Herod? Killed his mother-in-law. Killed one of his wives. Killed his brother-in-law. He's brutal. Even of the standards of the day. He he will not uh, sit idly by anyone who challenges his throne. Tim Keller, in his book, uh, Hidden Christmas, from this chapter, writes, According to the Bible, the evil of the world ultimately stems from self-centeredness, self-righteousness, and the self-absorption of the human heart. Each of us wants the world to orbit around our needs and desires. We do not want to serve God or our neighbor. We want them to serve us. In every heart, then, there's a little King Herod that wants to rule and that is threatened by anything that may compromise its omnipotence and sovereignty. So the same thing, message that's confronting Herod needs to confront us. There can only be one king. Where is he who has been born king? Now something is the king of your life. Something is. See, God's not born here into the world as a co-pilot, advisor. He's born king. So can I just give you a couple of things that typically rule people's lives? Number one at the top of the list is other people's approval. Is that what you're pursuing? I'm going to tell you, it's never going to lead to joy. And it's going to take and take and take from you. Here, here's a big picture. Anything that you pursue unto your ultimate joy, that's not Jesus, is going to take from you, never give to you. The only ultimate treasure that you can ever pursue in your life that gives and doesn't take is Jesus. So if you pursue people's approval or maybe satisfaction at work, if you, if you, if you pursue other people's approval, you're going to always feel insecure and anxious because it's uncertain. Or, man, I'm going, to be the, I'm going to make it up the ladder at work. Now, be a hard worker. Just don't put your ultimate joy and satisfaction in it because you'll just end up frustrated or angry. Or maybe you pursue ultimate satisfaction in a relationship. Man, if I just get this person, that relationship, man, is going to crumble under that kind of expectation. And if those things aren't true now, they will be eventually. But pursuing Jesus is totally different. Amen? Pursuing Jesus results in verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You can't put it more emphatically in the original language. So what did you get for Christmas five years ago, 2017? What did you get for that Christmas morning? Some of you might actually know. I'm asking it because most of us probably can't quite remember. I'm of the age now, blur. You know what I'm saying? The 2010s, blur. I don't know what I got Christmas morning Five years ago. That's how stuff works. It kind of diminishes over time, right? But Jesus is not like that. How many of you have known and loved and pursued and lived for Jesus for decades and it's just getting better and better as you do so? That's how he really is. So don't devote your life to something that's not worthy of that devotion. So you want to give your attention like a wise man, give your devotion like a wise man, and then you do want to give your treasures like a wise man. It says in verse 11, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. 
It is worth pointing out the only person in that room they were worshiping was him, was Jesus. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gold gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now you got Matthew 2. In my Bible, I just have to flip a page to Matthew 6. So you turn, turn, turn with me to Matthew 6. You know, um, things like attention, give your attention, and devotion can be a little bit vague, can't they? They can be kind of vague terms. But do you know what can't? Treasures, money. Those are a little more concrete, aren't they? And look, look what... Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's why. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what Jesus is teaching us is we can't disconnect what rules our hearts from what we give our treasures to. If you want to know what rules your heart, you look at the receipts. Amen? That's what he's saying. So this is what I've given my, my treasure, my money to. This is what has my heart. It's really important for us to see that, that attention, devotion, and treasure, they all go together. So, so when they come, they come worshiping and they come giving out of their treasures. But what can really help us here is that we see that God, when we talk about these things, give your attention, give your devotion, give your treasure. Here's what I want you to see. God gave all of those things first. Gave all of those things first. When God gives His attention to you and your life, He knew you. He knew your mother's womb. That's what the Scripture says. He knew you from eternity past. And when God places His attention on you, what kind of attention is it? Well, we've learned from the Scripture. It's a holy attention. H-O-L-Y. And can we talk for a moment about God's devotion towards you? I mean, again, we, we would be worth singing. If, if it would be amazing if God had, had just come in the flesh as a human being. I know we've said this before, but I think about it a lot that you know, it would have been an amazing culmination of the Gospels if, if God had come in the flesh and the person of Jesus and goes through all the ministry and then we get to the Last Supper and then He is humble enough to wash the disciples' feet. It would have been an amazing work of humility that God would do something like that. And then from there, they would have left that upper room and gone to the mount uh, and He would have ascended back to the Father, right? And said, I've left you this wonderful example of how to serve one another. And the needs in us go much deeper than that. The requirement for our redemption, our forgiveness, think about his devotion. How God is attention upon us, he's devoted to us. And, and if you think the 
wise men open up some treasures and offer them, we can never offer to God what He has given to us in Jesus. I mean, there's no more precious gift. God, as Paul says in Romans 8, who did not withhold from us His only Son, but graciously gave Him to us. You know, in uh, Matthew chapter 2, the wise men show up asking, where is He who is born King of the Jews? That's the very phrase they place right above the cross. Nail this above the cross. Here is the King of the Jews. So here's what I want you to know about your king. The true king is not a usurping king like Herod. Abusing power. Active impulsively. Employing deceit in order to bolster his own grip on the throats of his subjects. Rather, your king is the king who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Who are we, right? That God should be mindful of us. Give us any attention, but he has Who are we that God should be devoted to us when we've not been devoted to Him? Yet He is. And who are we that God should give to us the treasure of His own Son to die in our place on the cross? Yet He did. Amen? Amen? That is the generosity of our God. We're going to have a moment now of invitation and response and then after that we're going to go into our Lottie Moon Christmas offering now let's not be like chief priests and uh, scribes who hear the scripture and then go on about the life that we're going to live anyway right so here's our invitation and response if you say here's what I am giving my attention to giving my devotion to, and giving my treasures for. Now, you'll need God's grace to do this because this is one of the hardest things in life to do. I want you to honestly say, this is what it is. This is what I've given my attention to. This is my time. This is when I can think about whatever I want to think about, this is what I like to think about. And then my devotion. You see how the wise men weren't knocked off course. I mean, what is it that you keep kind of pursuing with steadfastness? And we've all got something, right? And then what is it that I give my treasures for? Is the pursuit you're giving Jesus right now worthy of his pursuit of you? Right? I mean, he's, he takes the initiative. And what God has declared is Jesus is all in in saving you. Are you all in in being saved? So let's stand together and we'll pray together. And that's the invitation today. You got something on your heart, your mind, during the invitation, you'd love to pray with somebody, it'd be my joy to do that. I'm going to come to the front, and sometimes it's just helpful to put some physical movement behind some spiritual decisions. You just want to come and say, Lord, give me grace, give me grace. See, there's movement in the wise men's life. Sometimes it's helpful to say, God, I, I want to start drawing near to you in a fresh way. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Now, after Jesus was born, the initiative has always been yours.
This is love, not that we loved you, but you loved us. You loved us first. God, we do seek by grace that our generosity, our joy, overflows out of the fact that we love Jesus more than anything. That's what real wisdom is. That's what real generosity is. So God, during this time of response, would the, we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to bring clarity. If anybody's heart's just divided, they're wavering, one foot in the world, one foot toward pursuing Jesus, God, just give us grace to devote ourselves to the God who is so eternally devoted to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.